Hey, Treves. Hey, PG. Uh, Tony, uh, what are you doing to the dingometer? I'm stripping it for parts. The uh, the Swiss called. Apparently the Hadron Collider's broken down and they need our particle accelerator. But we've got another podcast to do. I think we'll be fine. We've got some uh, rubber bands in the cupboard. Hello and welcome to The Dingometer, where we invite people to talk about the things that make online learning awesome. Our guest this week is Joe Nolan, who's the Managing Director of Cultural Development Agency Screen South. Now, what's a cultural development agency, I hear you ask? Well, Screen South connects artists, filmmakers and digital creatives with funding opportunities to bring awesome projects and ideas to life. And Joe brings people together from across the arts, heritage, uh, the leisure, tourism and education sectors to form partnerships that really work to create opportunities for the next generation of digital creatives. I'd strongly recommend that you have a look at some of the awesome work that's been produced by Screen South on their website. We wanted to find out more about how the artists Joe's working with have responded to the need to work remotely, and also about the challenges that she's faced with managing creative teams online. So among the light bulb moments in this episode are the difficulty in being able to get to the heart of a problem that can often occur when working with teams online. Then there's the value of using breakout rooms to create online learning spaces that are less pressured, which is a point that keeps coming up in these podcasts. There's the idea that all the technology in the world is only as valuable as the idea for creating content that the person using it is having. And also there's the awareness of the ultimate power of the conversation to shape an idea through reflection and discussion. So let's get on with the podcast. All right, so Joe, welcome to The Dingometer. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for inviting me. So you are a film producer and managing director of Screen South, and uh, which is a cultural development organisation who promote creativity and innovation in digital media projects. Is that is that sort of a, a synopsis of it, or I was going to say? So maybe you could start by telling us a little bit more about Screen South and, and, and what you do at Screen South. Well, Screen South we describe as a cultural development agency these days um, because yes, we were just focused on film when I took over years ago probably about 15 years ago but um when I came in I thought the most interesting work is always happening in between the silos of you know straight work so I thought we're not we we could be doing a lot more because artists and filmmakers need to be thinking cross-platform a bit more and thinking about you know developing exploiting their ideas in more than one format if they can or multi-format at the same time and it's an area that I was really interested in. So um, although we were a regional screen agency at that time, I just kind of went out to the Arts Council and various other kind of partners and said, is there any way we can start to partner on projects so that artists and filmmakers can, can have less of a, a divide between what they do? Anyway, it also coincided at that time with the build-up to the Olympics and the Paralympics. And so we got the great opportunity to lead that bid to lead it for the southeast which meant that we were working with you know heritage arts across the board you know leisure and sports and tourism and digital you know film moving across into all aspects and so and and big live outdoor stuff so it was really brilliant because it just meant that those partnerships were forged with a focus and were funded (laughs) And it meant that everything that I wanted to do in terms of having a more open brief for Screen South was kind of wrapped up in all of that, which allowed then 
when we moved out of that phase and into the um, closing of the film council and the closing of that whole area of um, you know direct funded regional activity, which closed in 2012-13, that we had already forged a lot of wider partnerships, that we'd been doing a lot of work in Europe and internationally, and that we just went, okay, well, we're going to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks in terms of interest for new talent, training, project development, um, enhancement of kind of people's ideas to try and take them into a more sustainable opportunity for themselves and for us. Uh, because we suddenly went, well, we've got no core funding. We have to be fleet of foot and enterprising. Uh, and so great team around us. And we just went, okay. At that point, we turned out really outwards and started looking at everybody we were working with. And in particular, the universities at that time was really, we had a really interesting opportunity there because we were involved with international partnerships with universities. Um, it kind of then opened the door for more realistic conversations about how we could work more closely with talent who were transitioning out of universities and into first, you know, broadcast or first sort of professional opportunities, uh, which is where we kind of, that's kind of where we sit. So um, what also came out of that was that we started working in heritage, um, kind of digitally led ideas and in arts in terms of facilitating exhibitions that had more of a digital edge to them in some way, so that we were kind of brokering partnerships or actually leading on some projects. So it just led naturally into us repositioning ourselves as a cultural development agency um, across all areas of what that might mean. And so that then led a much stronger partnership with the Arts Council, who are also reviewing how they were looking at digital. And um, so the timing was quite nice, which meant that we moved into a relationship with the Arts Council and Channel 4 and Random Max. So the next kind of four years after, you know, four years down the line with that partnership with Channel 4, three or four years, um, we started working with BBC and looking at where, what would we like to do as an agency with other, four other agencies across the UK, across England rather. Um, and we all agreed that we thought it would be really interesting to look at the wider remit of digital opportunity, which is audio, visual and interactive. So hence new creatives that's really interesting because that that leads on to the next question which was really about what is your relationship with education so do you work directly with schools and universities or, or do you think you're addressing what you see as a gap with some of the projects that you fund and support in terms of skills well i think it's across all areas really in terms of what you've just described <laughs> um i'll probably take one section at a time but particularly let's just look at skills and industry awareness i think you know with the best will in the world if you've been teaching for even six months or a year, sometimes you might have missed, you know, a skills gap or a, um, you know, a new way of looking at things. But also for um, for young people or, you know, people who are studying, whether they're young or old, um, it's really important that they just get current industry in, in whatever way that is. You know, there's people who are giving them the voice or the um, pathway um, or contacts or, you know, that, that is really important and to flag where the opportunities are and the changing opportunities are, you know, in terms of, so I do a lot of talks at schools in answer to a question, schools and universities. Um, it's usually in partnership with promoting something that we're doing, or sometimes it's just as a kind of industry session um, or as a skills session, you know, to, for people to sort of look at wider opportunities within what they're doing. Um, but so that's one thing. And I think it's really important that um, that conversation between sort of academic and industry is at the heart of kind of skills development and it really has to be so 
there's no point in us all banging on about the lack of skills people we're not the conversation with he and fe you know that's very important um and so i suppose what i just on that though in terms of i see gaps in training opportunities i tend to just go this needs a short bespoke course that needs to happen now it looks like this we try and get funding for it or we try and run it as part of a project but then that that invariably leads on to oh, that needs to be a module or that needs to go in somewhere else or or could do without updating that i don't sort of do the same course over and over again if you look at our track record we just do sort of you know short sharp ones really in that respect um and then in terms of uh talent development you know there is a whole load of young people who are within the you know education fe and he sector or transitioning from um school who need to know what's going on in terms of opportunities out there and you know it's such a great opportunity to work with um the wider sectors of education to have that conversation because there's so much talent around and i just want to meet the best talent or that talent who haven't quite reached where they're going to go yet but we could help them um but also bearing in mind that there's an awful lot of talent who don't go near universities because they haven't got that um confidence or access yet and uh, and you know that kind of pathway is not kind of mark marked out for them so we do a real balance between that and quite often people will come and do our a project with us and then they will go on to you they'll go well i actually could do we're going to do some really good proper training now and they'll go and do a course or they'll go and do a degree in the specific area that they've realized that uh, and so it's about breaking down those opportunities you know that access as well um but it's also really good to talk to universities about partnering on projects you know and looking at what's going on with the research looking at what's going on with um, what they've got access to um in terms of kit and resources and people you know as far we're a very small um you know kind of we contract and expand as a company depending on what's going on so it's really i found i have found that my relationships with the universities have been very stabilizing in terms of planning um i've, I've really welcomed it um and in terms of that yeah it always enhances our project i think to have a relationship with a academic world and in, in one way or other not least from the sort of feedback and the rigor of that but also from um you know just kind of looking at what we're doing and enhancing that so yeah it's a two-way thing really obviously covid the big change the new normal the way that you work the way that you can continue your work the way that you have been working with young people the way you've been sort of still working hard to sort of um bring about these changes create access what's that you know literally anecdotally what's it been like joe well i've just literally been doing my report for this period and i was reading the feedback before i came online <laughs> that's always sobering isn't it to read the feedback from the people but actually i've been really impressed with the talent i've got to say you know it's all very well for us as sort of facilitators and our mentors and you know industry advisors and execs and all the rest of it you know we are generally being paid for our time we're generally being you know god thank god we've got a job sort of thing in, in this time um but the talent we're working there aren't getting a lot of money from this you know it's very it's real passion work that they're doing and um there were a lot of very scared faces on the few sort of big zoom calls that we had initially starting up and and there was a sense of they really wanted us to check in with them they wanted us to go around and say is everybody okay because we got that 
message loud and clear on the first session halfway through somebody said you haven't asked us if we're okay and I thought well no I haven't you're right are you okay you know I've just launched in as normal because we've we've been doing zoom for years with our international partnership so I kind of took I took a little bit for granted at the beginning um, and then we just had to really make sure that we were allowing enough time for one-to-ones on in the breakout rooms and allowing time for them to talk to each other in the breakout rooms and and making sure that you know I mean god we pulled a lot more people through development I think you helped us out didn't you Phil we had like 94 people in development whereas if we'd been online I mean we had nearly 200 applications so I suppose we took half of them as if we'd been offline and live we would have gone 30 and we'd been a lot tougher having said that because I had more time the quality was really good um so yeah I think um in terms of COVID the we just immediately went online straight away and I think we were running stuff regularly we had two or three big sessions every week and we were making serious decisions about people's sort of opportunities online without actually meeting them and um what it did mean was that when we couldn't give somebody an opportunity we did have more time because we're not traveling we could have a proper conversation with them so look you know it was this you could try that lover next time or whatever so it's been interesting because it's it's very difficult to have the really creative conversation if there's a nub of a problem because you you can't see the body language and they don't you you know we can't give them the comfort of going well, anyway, come on, let's just sort of think about this and sort of see how how the team is thinking. And there are a couple of times when I've just gone, right, I'm getting in the car, we're going to have a safe distance conversation, even if it's in. I've had to do that because I haven't wanted to lose, you know, people. And not everybody's, um, not everybody's internet is as good, you know, when you're dealing with people who are in either multi-house estates uh, situation or multi-flats or rurally, it's really difficult uh, for them sometimes. Or if they're sharing, they've got the team, you know, their house share, and it's just like four of them going like that, trying to have a conversation. It's just <laughs> so there are times where it's been really difficult to kind of eke out the best of the talent that they've got there sometimes. Can you, yeah. you talked about sort of that, um, right, this is one we're going to get in the car. What, what, what was the deficit that was going on where you thought, right, no, I'm afraid I've got to do a safe distance face-to-face conversation this time? As a team. So in that, the last time I did it was actually um, a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. And in that case, the connectivity wasn't brilliant. And there were three of them. And they, they're not used to presenting themselves online. They're not used to presenting themselves in an, in an interview situation even. So they didn't have those skills to go stop talking over each other bring out all your lovely pieces and share screen they're going oh we've done this we've done that what do you think of that I was going, oh i can't I, I know you're i know there's something really interesting here but we can't put our finger on it so i got the bbc to agree that we do a sort of development commission with them so that i could go down with steve who is my production manager and really have a proper conversation and just see how we could make this work and I, we were right they were brilliant you know they were really good when we got to sit down with them and they could talk through everything and a lot more came out so it doesn't always work you said before that one of the things i was interested in is that for you then it sounds like um the move to online you said that you're so used to zoom already that for you your zoom literacy was already very high um because you've been working with well because you've been working this way internationally before yeah yeah Yeah. 
so uh, so in that respect the actual sort of the technology for you was uh, just a tool that was already in your repertoire yeah well we use skype an awful lot uh, so we probably we probably don't use skype anywhere near as mu- nowhere near as much as we used to so we have projects that we skype on and we have projects that we zoom on and i've and i can't stand teams <laughs> probably because people go, you haven't been trained on it it's like i don't i haven't been trained on the others either you just find it they're intuitive anyway so i'm sure i'll find my way around it sometime but no <laughs> anyway so yeah um we've been using because when you work internationally, you try and we did have a big on the la, on this current project that we're doing. It's kind of four years. Create Converge. Um, a big part of that was sustainability and really trying not to travel unless you really had to. And so rather than having you know six meetups a year, it was like three meetups a year. So the rest of those conversations and that opportunity and online you know online training, online conferences, you know, not too big. You know, they were never like, you know, 100 or 200, like they are now, 500 or whatever. 1,000, I was on one the other day. <laughs> That's all new. But the conversation and having, you know, the me- being in the room online and being virtual um, has yeah, definitely been part of what we've been doing. And, and I think really helpful. But Sorry. here, you couldn't, it's very difficult to say you can have an interview on Zoom, you know. But now we've done that. Le- We've done, we've, I mean, hiring employment interviews as well as commissioning interviews. We've done all of that on Zoom and then gone into working with these people on Zoom. So, yeah, I mean, I think people, as an access, in terms of, we do a lot of work with people with disability kind of community in terms of big programme work that we're doing. And it's just made that so much smoother and so much less expensive, actually, because people are at this sort of parity of access conversation yeah that's super interesting isn't it this this idea of how how it's leveled the playing field this is a theme that keeps coming through in the people that we're speaking to in terms of yes online is not ideal when compared to face-to-face in some respects but in other respects actually it takes it, t- it takes away a whole series of complications uh, and, and actually widens access to to other communities that would uh, otherwise struggle to access those opportunities so, yeah well we we work with my one of my main directors really esther you know she uses a wheelchair and she's just a you know nobody goes oh nobody's even concerned she's just esther yeah so okay. it's you know and it's just that's across the board i've got a conference this afternoon which is around disability and, and heritage and i just know there's a much bigger attendance than there would have been so, so in terms of going back to your relationship with universities and, and education so what would you say needs to happen for you to build a more win-win relationship with education what what do you see as some of the the pain points the pinch points the things that could that could be better in terms of uh, building a more functioning relationship with with young creatives and and educational institutions where there is a clear line of support and advocacy around supporting external opportunities for the uh, students as well as that being of benefit to the lecturers um there's a much better relationship there's a much better relation much better output when we do these projects which are partnered with the universities where there's a resistance or a kind of lack of um internal support the projects aren't as good because I say this, you're in an ideal position in many ways because universities move slowly, generally. It doesn't mean that they're not 
any good. But I think the, the, the nature of universities in that it's not a particularly agile environment, but actually you're at the forefront of, you know, funding opportunities and like you say, cutting edge of technology. And actually the, there is a real opportunity there clearly for to build functioning relationships uh, to, you know, to get students working on current projects. There is, but they don't always see it. Yeah. It takes somebody internally to go, you yeah, know, this is really worth looking at. Right. It really does. And if you don't get that internal support, the student doesn't feel that there might be ways. You know, it takes a strong student to go, actually, I'm not getting any support within the uni, but, or, it's, you know, it, I've gone in and done a, a presentation, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah. I've done a lot of different universities. And, um, but the universities where the lecturers go, but we can facilitate with you, we can be a partner, we can be your production partner, we can allocate some resources to you, it looks like this. Apply for goodness sake, it's the first, you know, you're going to get a BBC or a Channel 4, whoever it is, commission. Great opportunity. You can, you know, that's when it works. Um, so what's coming up at Screen South over the next few months then, as we move sort of beyond this or beyond, as we move through this kind of COVID pandemic and, and hopefully we're looking to what comes next, it's like what are some of the themes for you in terms of funding but also, like you say, campaigns or opportunities in what you're doing? Well, um, I think you've got to put talent at the heart of it and you've got to put um, brokering opportunity for those who don't necessarily get the opportunity. Um, and also being aware of where there are gaps or where there are opportunities and being proactive about going out and having conversations, wouldn't it be nice if, could we look at that? Um, so there are kind of three strands to that. Um, we always want to be in production with something and we always want to be in development with the next big thing, whatever that might be, you know, so that's kind of how I think across the board. Um, so what, what we've got going on at the moment is we're coming, we've, we're just about to commission and Thursday is the final date for the last interactive project. And um, we're just about, so that'll be our, won't be our last commission because then we're going to do another audio piece. We'll probably have about six audios that will we'll, um, go out to commission um, in about two weeks time. But certainly by, certainly by the end of um, middle of November, we'll have commissioned everything end of November and then we'll be delivering everything to the BBC for new creatives um, by the end of March so that so what we're doing at the moment is while we're delivering that we've also got a big um, heritage project around curating uh, for change and particularly looking at the focus on disability and telling hidden stories which is fingers crossed going to be we've got a year's development and then that will be a four-year project and uh, around curating fellows um, it's a national program. It's very exciting. And we're working with some brilliant museums across the country. So what the heritage funding body is looking for is, you know, a really, I suppose, contemporary edge to curating and unveiling a load of stories. And they really want it to be digitally driven to the point where we're actually just imported from the US, uh, a kind of, the kind of mobile screens that you can be remote you can work, go walk around a gallery remotely and you know some, it's amazing this technology so it's putting technology at the heart of digital and telling stories in a multi kind of purpose situation museums are fantastic for that opportunity and um, there is you know and you can bring artists and filmmakers and creatives into all of that um, and we are we've got we've had some really interesting conversations BBC about the next step and what that might look like if we can 
and particularly with what R&D are doing over there, some really interesting stuff going on. Um, and then we're looking at, um, funny enough, a big partnership with London South Bank University, Canterbury University, Maidstone Studios, where we're setting up a digital hub in Folkestone, um, which will be a three-year programme, which we're going to be launching towards the end of the year. Uh, so we're moving and we're going to actually have, you know, much more high-end resources at our fingertips. So that, that transition and that development time where people need space and with the resources and the kit and the software that they can, you know, that basically we're going to go into a sort of three-year project development, innovation, R&D focus, uh, which is very exciting. No, I've had some conversations uh, recently about sort of using augmented reality in, in the museum sector. And I think this this is where a lot of what we're looking at with Ding is this this focus on how does the technology enhance specific aspects of learning? And like you say, sort of visualizing things, screens, new technology to sort of visualize different ways of learning or, or visualizing information, I think is, is super exciting. So it's interesting to hear that you're in that space with production as well, because I think there is. Well, a we've real... been running, yeah, we've been running a program for uh, three years, nearly four years called Create Converge, which is a European partnership. And uh, it kind of came out of a conversation with a professor at Dundee, who's now at Hertfordshire, Peter. Uh, Richardson and around um, you know then how do we how do we kind of make you know immersive and you know cross-format technology driven you know creative digital work accessible and how do you make that the kind of obvious next step particularly for you know students who've trained in animation or film you know or you know audio how do we get them all working together because they need to be converging to be able to build the worlds that are so much part of our digital entertainment and our digital life, you know, and health and all the rest of it. So this is where that whole um, AR, VR, MR, um, <laughs> but, you know, that whole world of alternative realities and immersive and interactive, I just think is, you know, I love it. I think it's so interesting. You know, there are so many barriers to participation around that, which is why you've got to have more hubs for people to be able to experiment and, you know, be creatively driven and innovation driven without necessarily, you know, they're not they're not going to all have, you know, projects that's paying them X to do this. They need to be able to think outside the box and have supportive training and development opportunities. So, yeah. And yeah, being online, I mean, the whole live world, the bottom's dropped out of it at the moment. I just keep saying, we're so behind because we should be able to, you know, be putting, um, you know, that live theatre show into a games engine. And we should be able to give people sort of a 360 or a sort of if you've got the hat, if you've got the helmets or the goggles or whatever, you know, that you're able to take advantage of that. But, you know, it's such a shame that we haven't got the technology accessible at a certain level because that live world would be really ben benefiting from it at the moment. But what would you say about people who, um, sort of artists, makers, uh, teachers, people who are sort of uh, would perhaps identify in more analogue ways and say that their core practices um, have some quality that technology imperils? What, what would you say to people who worry about technology or worry about the rise of um, sort of realities that are not in front of us in that way i say you mustn't worry about it because i love technology but if i got the chance to go to a, a small fringe theater tomorrow night i'd be there like a shot um or a gallery that just is about a single moment you know 
we're really miss really missing that at the moment you know that ability to just um be in your own space and to take that communal or whatever so there's no way that live and tactile and you know the the reality of the sort of analog moment i mean i listen to straight i could listen to analog radio all day it doesn't have to be digital does it it's single linear <laughs> you know um so no i think what they what i would be saying is absolutely pursue that practice to its nth but just be a bit aware of the opportunities that the technology might afford you as, a, as an artist and a creative because this technology is only worth the content idea that the person behind it is having and it only takes one idea and you know 200 people to realize it you know and that sculptor might just have the best idea just talk to somebody so this is the, the obvious thing you've answered it already so you know how important is content then joe uno numero uno content <laughs> hate that phrase but content is really important but if you haven't got the means to an audience and you've just got the content then that's not going to work either so you need my the ideal scenarios that i see where you know an artist has found their agent or they've found their gallery who represents them then the confidence of that work flies you know um or you know the writer who's found their agent or found their producer or you know um the writers found the director you know it's all the directors it's all about the content needs others to get to an audience and um and to find its confidence in its place so i mean there you i say content about, tingle, i think it's a partnership yeah I mean, there you could be talking about i mean obviously we we spend a lot of time talking with um people who teach and certainly existentially what's happening at the moment people feel very worried about sort of their their role their importance the value of teaching um that no value for money, student satisfaction, all of those issues are sort of swimming around the, the role of the, the content producer, which you might say, you know, um, in terms of teaching, the tutors, the, 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 the courses, they are content providers, aren't they? And the issues now are about how people access that content. And, uh, and certainly this idea that, that education, in terms of the platform by which you access that content is, is changing. Um, because... You don't necessarily need to go to a giant brick campus to access great content, arguably. Yeah, but it just there's a big gap missing what you just said. And the gap is feedback and conversation with people who know what they're talking about, the experts. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can go to as many lectures and seminars as you like, but until you've written or produced or developed something that somebody's responded to and you have a, personal and direct conversation about that you won't grow you won't move on you might do but it might not be in the right direction um you know it's i i think what we're in fear of on that is losing the conversation and that's a big thing if you'd lose a conversation about whatever it is you've got no time to reflect and review the next piece will just be the same so that you know good education might be all right might be brilliant so maybe you're oh. okay but not in most cases <laughs> sorry so trans transformative education is conversation based yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got to take it in first so you know what you're having your conversation about <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today thank you so much for your time thank you